Hello, and welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Katie. I'm Alan. And we're <laughs> still married. That came out a lot more uh, serial killer than I meant it. I'm Alan. No, that was more Batman. Anyway, welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. Are we excited to be here today? I'm excited. Are you excited? Yeah, I like our solo episodes. Absolutely love uh, when we have guests on the show. Anthony Magnabosco, that was a very different episode and was really fun. Yeah, I think we, I think that it was different in a good way. We got mm-hmm. a lot of feedback saying that people liked it. Yeah. And not a lot of feedback saying people hated it. So We usually don't hear from the ones that don't like it. They just stop listening. So no. that's fine. Hmm. That's fine. Maybe Screw we should, them. We should, we should check our listenership numbers. <laughs> and tomorrow we get to interview Noah Rochetta. We're really excited about uh, releasing that episode. You'll probably hear it within a week of this one coming out. Right. So we have a few announcements we'd like to talk about. This week was the week that we were supposed to be in Texas. Now, yes. I'm going to still be in Texas, but we canceled our... Our meetups in Dallas and Austin. Just now, us going. Uh, the meetups are still, the events are still there on our uh, Facebook group. And it's my understanding that the meetups are still going to occur. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye on those groups because I believe they are still happening. But uh, we are not going. Why aren't we going, Katie Marie? That is a good question. <laughs> Guys, I've, I, I think... Um, I think I've just hit a wall. I I think I don't think. Um I'm pretty I'm depressed. Am I depressed? I think by the things that you've said to me, I would say that yes, you are experiencing some depression. I think some of it is seasonal. I definitely get more blue in the winter months. Um I have a hard time just with everything. I don't like being cold and I don't like not seeing the sun and this month the month of january has been just really blah (laughs) but in all honesty there were a lot of really heavy things that happened if any of you follow us on facebook in our group we posted about some of those things and you know one of the amazing awesome things that we get to do is we get to have privy like looks into so many people's lives and we are so lucky that we get to do that and make these friendships and we get to know people um, on just a completely another level. But I think that the more difficult part of um, getting this privilege is also experiencing and, and joining in a lot of their pain and Uh, We have had a lot of people that have gone through a lot of painful things over the last, the last month, really. And we've been involved with those. And I think that it's just kind of all become like a lot for me. Yeah. And that combined with your seasonal depression that you've been experiencing combined with, uh, I mean, one of the things we're going to talk about here today is... Part two of our, uh, our I hate overusing the word journey, but part two with our experience of this milestone of our 11-year-old turning 12 and getting the priesthood, there's just a lot of events that are clumped up in a short amount of time that we felt like we had to self-care a little bit. And, and very unfortunately, we're not, we're bummed because we love, we love doing these meetups and they're super fun. We just felt like, man, we, we really need to take a step back from from the public part of it. Right. And not to say that we won't do any more in the future because we absolutely want to. Mm-hmm. But it just seemed, you know, when like you're trying to plan something and you plan it to the best of your abilities and it for some reason is just not working out. Like our babysitter canceled and then we found another one and then, oh, you can only do these days or those days. And, and I mean, it just seemed like it, it was such a fight. We just kept fighting to try and get everything, every detail worked out for the trip. And then it was kind of like wave after wave of different things happening to us. And we just, when we finally made the decision that we we shouldn't go, it was a lot of relief. It was. It and, was. and not knowing very well that we are missing out on 
making connections with people, visiting people who want us there, who also want to make those connections. That's a very difficult decision for us to make. But um, it really just, we just made the best decision that we could. So we will not be into Dallas or Austin. If you're in the area and you're in the Facebook group, watch to see um, those being still being hosted, but without us there. And then, you know, this one of the stark realities of of wanting to do these meetups and the difficulties that come with them is the financial part of it because because of our babysitter canceling which was a family member we had to find someone else and three days it was almost four days of babysitting is a lot of money when you have four kids especially and that that proved to be a big burden that was going to be difficult and it's a burden that we're willing to to take but Something that that absolutely helps is uh, donations that we're able to put right back into these meetups and to the podcast itself, providing the experiences for you guys and for us as well. The the, the fact of the matter is that it, it does cost money to run the podcast and to to do with it what we feel is going to be the most beneficial for the community. So one thing that we also want to do is uh, reach out to people that are looking for sponsorships. So Katie, what types of things or what are we looking for as far as sponsorships go? Well, if you have something you would like to advertise on our podcast, we are happy to discuss um, a sponsorship with you. If you would like to create your own meetup, your own whatever it might be that may be related to our mixed faith community, we would love to get that sponsorship and advertise it here. That's right. And we won't put anything on here that we don't personally believe in either. So it's not going to be a blatant cash grab. We, we definitely want to partner with people that are looking to improve this community uh, as well. So uh, thank you. You can email us at marriageinatightrope at gmail.com if you're interested. Now, it is a lot cheaper and easier to do meetups here around uh, our own home. So uh, we would love to try to plan one of those uh, for the end of this month and, and in anticipation of us being in a better place. And I think we're already getting there. Um, but we're looking at February 29th to meet up in the Salt Lake area. So if there's someone in Salt Lake County who would like to host that, that would be awesome. That would take a lot of um, burden off of us for hosting ourselves. So you can email us as well or reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. Right. Okay. We're going to get right to it and talk about Alan's second interview with the sick president. Now, in the first interview, he talked with the bishop to ask him about uh, being able to be a part of Hayden's priesthood ordination. And the bishop said, oh, I'll relay it to the stake president. And then they came back to us and, and Alan got the, nope, that, that's not going to be appropriate for you to do. And so, Alan, why did you want to set up a meeting with the stake president? Well, you know, I hadn't talked with him. I didn't know what the conversation between the bishop and the stake president had been. And so I just wanted to make sure that the stake president heard from me uh, my thoughts on the whole situation, why I was asking to do it, why I wasn't asking to do it, or I didn't want him to think I was asking to do it for any reason other than my son asked me and I want to support him. So you wanted to make sure that you were fairly represented. Yeah. And not that there's any distrust in the bishop. I just wasn't privy to their conversation. I didn't know if it was like, hey, uh, Brother Mount wants to baptize his son or uh, uh, ordain his son. And the state person says, no. Okay, I'll go tell him. Or if they actually sat down and had a 20-minute conversation, I don't know. I wasn't really told by the bishop what any of the reasons were. So that's why I asked. Okay. So when Alan told me he was going to go to the talk to the stake president, I kind of just, I didn't know what to make of it. I was like, why? I mean, you got your answer. And then we talked about it more, and I understood the reasons why he wanted to. And so he went. And do you want to tell us Without giving away, yeah, no, no, a lot. I, but yeah, why don't you talk to about? I'll talk to us sure. About that. And and just to talk a little bit more before I tell you about the conversation itself, this is just my own personal philosophy 
uh, and it goes to my work. I'm a, I'm a software enterprise salesperson. And so I have to have a lot of, of conversations and ask hard questions and try to represent our product and services the best I can. So one of my personal philosophies that works well with my line of business is never send an email that is better had, uh, better, never send an email where a conversation over the phone is better and never have a conversation over the phone that would be more successful if done in person. Uh, that's hard when your sales territory is in the Midwest. And so a lot of times you're over the phone, but with the stake president, it was like, why wouldn't I go and sit down and talk with him rather than have the Bishop be my proxy? If he's willing and has time to meet, then I would much prefer to go and have the difficult or fierce conversation that Katie likes to talk about. I'd rather just go have that conversation. I don't want to be afraid of difficult conversations because that's where the most, most growth happens. And that's what we've seen in our marriage. And some of my favorite conversations have been with the stake presidents, both present and past, uh, over the past few years. So I absolutely wanted to make sure I did it in person. So going into the meeting, um, I didn't really have any goal going into it. I didn't want to leave having changed his mind. I just wanted to, I guess my goal would be to say, uh, this, is, this is why I asked and why I feel it would be a mistake not to allow me to ordain Hayden. So going in, uh, turns out he didn't have much of the context that I had talked to the bishop about. So talking with him, I explained... Uh, look, my my son, both of them, the twelve and thirteen year old, have already expressed some, and they're they're young boys, so tween and teen boys that don't like rules anyway. But they've already expressed some of the rigidity of the church, not fitting what sitting well with them. They've started to express a few of those things. So, my concern to the stake president was that by saying no, you were telling my son that his dad wasn't good enough or wasn't worthy. And my son does not believe that, and he doesn't agree with that. And so telling him that wasn't going to push him away from me. It was actually just going to further push him away from the church. Uh, Right now, he's still in our home and we're going to church most weeks. And so physically he's not being pushed away from the church, but mentally he could be. And in a few years when he has more autonomy, he may be making the decision to not go there because it doesn't like him how he, it doesn't, he doesn't like how they talk about his dad or other parts of, of his life. So that was my, I don't know, admonitions a bit exhortation, a bit dramatic to, to say, but that was what I was trying to explain to the stake president. And he asked me some really good questions. He asked me, you know, how would you feel doing it? How would you feel, I, understanding what you do and don't believe, how would you feel about uh, going in and and making that, that ordination? And what I told him was, you know, I, I had put a lot of thought into it. That there were basically two things that I would be saying that I didn't believe and that would be in the name uh, or by the power of the Melchizedek priesthood. And in the end, it actually, the, the last part of the prayer in the name of Jesus Christ isn't something I don't, but like I can end a prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. That's not contrary to any beliefs that I have. But in the middle of it, I would put a lot of thought into saying things that everyone in the room could agree with. You know, this is... Uh, being called into the Aaronic priesthood is an opportunity to serve others and to provide provide a religious experience with people. I mean, I could absolutely say something that everybody would be on board with, myself included. So I, I told him, you know, would I be uncomfortable in that moment? Yeah, I very much likely would be very uncomfortable to do that. But I'm going to be uncomfortable regardless with this ordination. And I would rather be uncomfortable doing what my kid asked me to do than being uncomfortable sitting by and watching someone else do it. And, you know, he, we talked a little bit about the reason why I can't do it. Uh, he talked, he told me a little bit about, you know, worthiness and he would defer to the temple recommend questions. And to be fair, I would be saying no to almost all of them. Uh, I, my personal beliefs don't matter in this because he's the judge ultimately. And I made that very clear that it's this is his playground and I have to play by his rules. So I, I didn't want it to feel like I was trying to 
set the rules for something that I wasn't the author of because I'm not. It's, this is not my decision. A lot of people, I've gotten some feedback and I've heard this a lot, like, don't give them the power. This is this is not their power to, to take away from you. Don't let them take this away from you. And, I'm, and I frankly just feel differently. This is, this ordination is, is something in, in their, their belief system, not in my belief system. So if they have rules that are governing it, I have to play by them. And all I can do is express that I disagree and that's fine, but that doesn't change what's going to end up happening. So one thing that I was really grateful for that he did mention was he said, you know, it would be ignorant or naive for me, the stake president, to think that that nobody has ever uh, given an ordination while unworthy. At least, Alan, you're telling me the truth. Like you're coming to me and saying, I don't believe any of this, but I still want to do it. Uh, so the question wasn't, will my son's priesthood be valid if I was the one to do it? It was just, is it appropriate or not? And ultimately, uh, the verdict was that it's not appropriate. In fact, uh, the conversation turned to talk a little bit more about other participation with uh, within the warden's stake. And um, I voiced, frustration is not a good word for it. It would have been a while ago, but now it's just kind of, look, President, you know, I've been told that I shouldn't be raising my hand in Sunday school. Uh, I'm never going to be called on to, to give a prayer. Um, you would pull me off the stand if I tried to stand up at, at, on fast Sunday. I'm being told I can't participate with my, with my son. I mean, over the past two years, as I've tried and tried and tried to remain an active participant, not an active believer, but it, in spite of me not believing, I've tried to be an active participant in this community. And time and time again, including this meeting, I'm being told, no, we don't want you to be here. And that's, that's, <laughs> I mean, the, the writing's on the wall for me. And so now I'm just, I, I truly feel like I'm not part of the community anymore. And I told him, I said, that this is what, against my wishes, what I've been told that I'm not welcome as a as a participating member of this community. And he said, yes, you are. Yes, you are. I said, no, I'm not. I mean, you've told me not to speak up. And, and we went into some of the nuance of that request. But ultimately, at the end, I just said, look, you, it's been clear, clearly made to me that, that I'm not a, a welcome participant here. So now I have to decide if I want to make that official or not. And I think he understood what that meant. And Katie and I, we've talked about that over the last week, huh? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's probably a whole another episode at some other time. Yeah, but it's it's just added to the heaviness of, like, everything we're dealing with is the, like, resigning is, is really heavy. That's a lot. That's heavy. And while we probably could not have even said the word a year and a half ago, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, we probably could not have even talked about it it still doesn't change the fact that i have like these like wild roller coaster emotions about it Mm -hmm. that's a really hard thing to think about and deal with is that something you want to do well for me personally i do now i didn't before this uh, priesthood ordination business it was more it was more it doesn't really matter to me and i knew that it would put us in a situation that would be difficult whether it's because we have to confront what this means for our families or it actually causes you personal pain like for me it wasn't worth that and i don't now wanting to do it i don't want those things to happen i don't want for it to be a difficult thing for you and for us to have to discuss and figure out at the same time i'm looking at it and saying like they've made their position clear. The only thing that I have control over is whether I count myself part of their church. I don't feel part of their church anymore. I've tried to be, and it's just not going to happen. So for me, I feel like I can take control by saying, okay, I am no longer a member of your church. So that's that's kind of where I'm I'm sitting, but... 
again, I'm not making any emotional decisions. If I if I would have made an emotional decision around my membership, I would have resigned two years ago or more. But I don't feel like that's the best way to do things. You don't do drastic things in the heat of emotion. So I'm not highly emotional about it anymore. I feel like I am thinking rationally and I got to think through all of this. But I know if I was the only one that was affected by it, it would be done. And that's that's that. Do you feel like I'm I am supportive or not supportive in this? I feel like there's it's not binary. It's not either supportive or not supportive. I feel like you are supportive of me doing what I need to do. Um, but so in that way, you are supportive of if, look, you, you said, what have you said? You tell me what your level <laughs> of support is. Don't make me guess. We've talked briefly, but. We have. I, I've told Alan, look, if this is what it takes to bring you relief from the pain, then go ahead and do it. In the past, you said that you haven't really like had a reason to do it. Mm-hmm. And now you feel otherwise. And I, I get it. I understand. I think it's, I think it's, it is what it is. I am much more reasonable about it now than I was then. But I think my big, my big concerns are repercussions, both with family, with, the dynamic in the ward in the neighborhood. Um, I'm not saying like don't like don't yeah. do it because of other people. I'm just saying that I think of the a lot of things when it comes to it. Honestly, the the fact that we have people who listen who would be scared to death if they heard you went ahead and resigned your your membership because right now it's this sort of friendly oh, yeah, Alan comes to church with us and he supports us. But for some reason, going from that to, well, I've resigned my my membership. I, there, I think that there's a fear that people feel. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I don't want to cause unnecessary pain or triggers to all of our listeners. And I'm again, I get it. We're doing what's best for us and not what's best for everyone else. I'm just saying I, I've thought of so many different things that affect the decision. No, absolutely. And we've talked about those. And I, I think about all of that, too. You know, Bill Real, when we started this podcast, he, he gave us some – and it's coming to pass right now. But he gave us some advice of just be you and record your journey. And don't try to be or pretend to be anything other than yourself. So wherever this – journey leads you just record it and that's what people are going to be interested in i listening to what you just said katie about you know our listeners and how that might be scary i i would hope that i could represent myself here as someone that is not angry yeah Uh, you used the word pain a few minutes ago i'm not really in pain about it like i'm not i wouldn't be resigning to to relieve myself of pain Mm -hmm. it's more of like a final step of, yeah, this this relationship is over. My relationship with the church is over. My relationship with you is not over. So I this does not change my willingness to support you by going to church, to um, you know, when kids are getting baptized, when, when and if those things happen, I will be there. Obviously, not being a member, I'm not going to be participating, but they've already told me that I can't participate, so it doesn't really matter. So for me, it's, I, hopefully the, the people that are listening here, especially the believers who are like, oh my gosh, I don't want, I can't share this episode with my unbelieving spouse because what if he or she decides to, to resign? I would hope that the, the negative stigma that is surrounded by people that resign, I could help dispel that for a lot of people because I think that, well, I mean, I remember being a believer and people having their records taken off the name of the church, there was this idea that these must be the most angry, selfish, vindictive people on earth. And they have like a do not contact me list. And I remember working with that with uh, elders quorum and 
Like that's not what's happening here. And so maybe this can open some people's eyes to talk to someone. If you know someone that has resigned, talk to them. Why? Why did they do it? Are they in pain? Are they not? I'm not really in pain about this. And maybe that would be helpful for, for some listeners. I understand. You're smiling at me. I understand that there's repercussions. The ones that I'm more worried about are conversations with family. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't want... I, I don't believe that my name on the records of the church means anything. I don't. But I know that it means something to you, first and foremost. I know that it means something to my mom, to your parents, mm-hmm. to your siblings. Mm-hmm. And we've had to have those conversations of... Would there be, it would hurt initially, of course, everybody, yourself included, but would they be able to get over that? Would they treat me differently? Short term, long term, what what would that look like? Yeah, because it's very final. I it's, mean, it's very. Yes, you can be rebaptized. Right, but I, and, what I'm saying is, is in the words of Taylor Swift, <laughs> we are never, ever. ever. Ever, ever getting back together. No, we're not. <laughs> um, I don't know why I just thought of that. That's but funny. I but I think that um that I like for the person, for the believer, it feels like such a final decision. Because and I'm not trying to say that you should go ahead and send that message out to family members that, oh, I might I might come back. I'm just taking a break. I might come back. That's that's not that's not it. But um, in sort of this eternal perspective that uh-huh. that fully active believing members have, it it just feels like the end. And maybe that's the message that I need to send. I don't want anyone to have false hope. Right. Le- least of all you. Like, and I don't. And you I don't mean, have any I, hope of me believing again. No, I don't. And and I will say, I think. Don't you think I have a very realistic view of where you're at? Yeah, because we have those conversations. We have the conversations all the time. And now, let me tell you, like, I will not be really mad or really hurt. Alan and I are in a really good place right now, yeah. where we're, we're we've moved past that, and and I would understand why he would do it. Um, and he has reasons. And I totally get that, and I respect him. I just, where I, you know, kind of close up is when I think of anyone else being involved in it. So, how, I mean, this is so funny because we're talking about it, and it's about to be released live. But, like, how would we, do? would we have to talk to family? Like, I've actually already written a letter to give to specific family members to explain this is why I'm doing this. Hmm. I felt like it would be a common courtesy because it's a, I understand what it means to them for me to do this. And so like, would we just, if I did it, would we just pretend like I didn't? I wouldn't pretend. I just would not. I don't know. This is a hard thing. I'm not going to answer this right now because it's something that we really have to think think about about it and we have to, and we really have to decide what, what's best for us. But so, going back to what we were talking about, just all of these feelings and thoughts and and emotions have come out in the past week just from this one meeting with Alan that Alan had with the state president. And I and I hope all of you understand we really have great leaders. And oh yeah, you know I don't I don't want there to be. Uh, you know, oh well, you you got the short end of the deal. You know what? It, it's fine. We we are totally cool with the people who are around us who've worked with us, and we don't have any hard feelings towards any of them. They're yeah. all doing their best, and so are we. I saw the stake president at the daddy daughter dance last night, yeah. and we laughed and said hi. We didn't like do a slow dance or anything. <laughs> it would have been weird if we would have. But we talked for a minute, and then you know went our separate ways and. He's a great guy. So yeah. is the bishop. Like, it, this is a difficult situation. They have very firm, strong beliefs in the system that I no longer do, and I'm right. and I'm the the dunce that is saying, "But let me, let me be here anyway." So I I get it. It's like I'm I'm the encroacher, if you will, and and I feel like there's good reason for it. I feel like that, and I voice this to him that I feel like those that no longer believe are the worst treated group of any group. That, I mean, any other group that doesn't believe in 
the LDS church is welcome with open arms because they're a prospective believer. But those that no longer believe are kind of, they're shunned. shunned and not, not officially like, sorry for any Jehovah's Witnesses that are listening, but that's an official part of their church is shunning. That's not an official part of our church, but it happens. It happens anyway. And like that's, that's, it's not going to change if I don't say anything. So that's why I've said something. That's one of the things for, for so long why I didn't resign is because I wanted to be that change from the inside. And so many people have said it's fruitless. People that are a few more years into the journey you're than I am. Your you're banging your head against the, red- against the wall. Yeah. Like it's not, uh, Thomas McConkie mentioned this, like it's not mm-hmm. up to you to change other people. Yeah. And for a long time, and I still feel it, it's like, well, how are we supposed to change if we don't say anything? If we don't voice what our uh, misgivings are or we don't voice how we feel things can improve, how does anything improve? And that's still kind of a question I'm trying to... Yeah, has that, to, how, do, how do you accomplish that now? Or do you feel like it doesn't matter anymore? Well, for me, I just say I'm not going to accomplish that here. Mm. I can accomplish that on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Like there are people here that are listening right now mm-hmm. that still believe that can go to their wards as full believers mm-hmm. and be advocates mm-hmm. for treating people that are doubting or no longer believe differently than they have been in the past. And some people may be listening to this and saying like, we actually do a really good job in our ward. And that's great. That's awesome. I think that's fantastic. Can we it, get your address and directions to your <laughs> ward building? Can we what give us your ward you boundaries need? and any homes that are for sale? Um, <laughs> You know, I, so I, I think for me, I, I don't I don't feel like I want to have that. Um, I don't want to put forth that effort in my local ward anymore. That ship has sailed. And I think I've, that's decreased. My willingness to do that has decreased as shown in my Sunday school attendance. I haven't, I've gone to Sunday school twice in August. Remember when I tried in August? And it was awful. I just couldn't do it. And so, I mean, it's it, it hasn't gone from... from all in to all out. It's been a it's been a gradual descent of activity. But now I'm just this is not it's not my role anymore to try to change anything on the local or general level of the church. This is not gonna happen. You have to look at your sphere of influence, and my sphere of influence is in my family. My sphere of influence is in my colleagues at work and how I deal with them. Uh, it's those that are listening here on the podcast. And when I say sphere of influence, it's not a nefarious term. It's it's for both of us. We want to be uh, helpful resources on love and kindness and understanding. We, I, I make no effort to try to pull anybody away from the church or, or anything like that. Just a couple of days ago, I was talking with my, no, yesterday I was talking to somebody at work and we were talking about the universe and how big it is and, and, you know, the big bang and how we know what happened. And, and uh, he started he started talking to me about, yeah, I know science is crazy and like the way it coincides with religion and like the parting of the Red Sea, scientists say actually could have happened with certain wind conditions. And, and I bit my tongue and he knows where I stand. But he was like, well, what do you think about that? And I said, we're, we're just about to get into debate territory and I don't think we should go there. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, well you can, you can, you can, and like it, Two years ago or even a year ago, I would have been jumping on this opportunity to talk about whatever, but I'm very hesitant now because I know how those conversations go, and I don't want to be looked at as someone that's trying to convince anyone of anything or weakening someone's faith at all. Well, we're going to have to probably do another episode post post getting the priesthood for Hayden just to talk about what that was like and what ends up happening. You were invited to stand in the circle. Right? Um, you were told that that was appropriate. I was told that was okay, I think. Was I? Did you, I tell you that? You did tell I me have that. a really bad memory, so. He did tell me that. So we'll see if, if that's what ends up happening. And it will happen at the end of February. So we'll just, we'll, we'll keep you up to date on that and what happens. But I think this segues into another part or portion of this episode that we wanted to talk about, which is church attendance. Um, it's been increasingly more difficult for Alan to go to church with us, even just the first hour of sacrament meeting. And, you know, we have tried so hard to come up with ways that 
would be beneficial for all of us and all of us to learn. And one of the things that is especially hard, as a lot of you probably know, is the first Sunday (laughs) where we get to sit and listen to everyone's testimonies. And some weeks are better than others, but uh, this, this is generally a pretty difficult Sunday. And so we sat down and we started to talk about this as a family. And one of the things that we talked about is if we could alleviate or just take one thing off our plate every month, what would it be? And we came up with this idea of home church, having home church. And specifically on the Sunday that's the hardest, which is our fast and testimony, first Sunday of every month. Yeah, you know, when you say that church is difficult for me, it's this past topic you've you've seen kind of, I feel like a, a spectator. It's mostly because of the kids. Mm-hmm. It's mostly because when there's when there are topics that I, and, and to be frank, you as well, and many of them, that's part of the reason why it's not hard for us anymore. Because most of the time we agree when something is said, we agree with our disagreement with what is said, uh, or the, at least the tone in which it's said. Uh, for me, that's the difficulty of we are. Why are we subjecting our kids to these things? Right. That's, that's what it is. So, one of our it's not even a compromise, but one thing that we felt like was very important was to do home church, and we proposed doing it on the first Sunday of each month. And really, it was let's just see how this works. Let's see. We actually told ourselves this is going to be a horrible experience it's for the be first really time. Hard. The kids are not going to pay attention. We, we set ourselves up in the past for unrealistic expectations when we have these grandiose ideas of service projects or of doing things as a family that are going to open our kids' minds to service and love. And So we went into this knowing it's not going to go the way that we hope, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Mm-hmm. It'll be better the next month and better the next month and better the next month. And uh, we, we're, we'll see how, how this plays out. So I wanted to make sure on the first month that it didn't overwhelm Katie at all. So I said because I was already like, not, yeah, this I was, was in, the middle, in the middle of my little very hard crisis. Yeah, yeah. So I told her, you don't worry about this at all. It's going to be 11 a.m. first Sunday in February. I will handle everything. You won't have to share a single message, sing a single song, nothing. I will handle everything. Okay, so let me bring this up. Prior to this, I had read an article about just raising kids, period, and why it's important to involve them in their community and why it's important for them to be leaders in the community and to serve others. And this this goes beyond church. It's, of course, their service there, but I think it's important for kids to understand their place in the community, in their world, and to give back. That's a big, big thing for me. And so uh, Alan really did a great job taking this to heart, this advice and this thought, because what uh, transpired after this talk was the theme for our church Sunday, which was gratitude. And it was the perfect theme to just sort of kick it off. And so let's talk a little bit about our, what went, what we went through. If uh, you are, we're on Facebook, we posted a picture of our agenda, our family home church. (laughs) My brother, uh, Cameron, he, he kind of teased me and posted a picture of my dad who has passed. And my dad was a big agenda person. Yes. You know, if we're going on vacation, he would send everybody a, an agenda of this is what's happening. And minute like, by minute, minute by minute. Oh, yeah. so funny. Yeah. He was a business guy and I'm a chip off the old block. But, you know, hey, before we get into the, the details, it's important. I really want to call out yeah. when you're trying, when you are trying to reconstruct what is valuable to you and how to pass it on to your kids. Here's the hard part. It takes a lot more effort. Oh, guys. Like, look, if you fully agree with what the church is teaching, it's super easy to have your kids learn the values because you just send them to church and you're there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you reinforce it at home. Mm-hmm. But when you disagree and you now all of a sudden you want to make sure that they learn what you feel is important, that's, that's a lot more effort that is going to be going into it. So with that in mind, here is the effort that went into it. So we started at 11 o'clock and from 11 to 11.05, we, we, uh, we sat down in the, in the living room and we talked about the purpose of home church of, we want to make sure that you guys get to participate 
that you put forth the effort to prepare lessons, to, pre to prepare research, to prepare a service project. So we assign different roles for everybody. And by this, we're going to grow together and we're going to learn what we can do as a family. We are going to learn what works and what doesn't, and it's going to help us grow together. So that was kind of the purpose. Then we moved on to a very short um, mindfulness meditation called Friendly Wishes. And the idea of Friendly Wishes, this is in the, the um, Waking Up app by Sam Harris, and his wife leads some meditation lessons for children. And so I played this one. It was only three minutes long, but it, it's a meditation practice where you are thinking of someone that means a lot to you, someone that is that you like, is how she says it, someone that you like very much. And you're picturing that they're standing in front of you. And then you are just showering them with friendly wishes. I love how you, I love how you always smile when you say hello to me. You are so kind. I love that you let me snuggle you when, when we're watching a show in bed. Uh, this is clearly me talking to Katie. Um, she's like, huh? Pretty sure my kids aren't Jackson's saying that to other. Him? Yes. And you picture that you're saying these nice things to this person and... There's a jewel on their chest that is growing bigger and bigger as you shower them with compliments. And then imagine that the person is pointing it back to you. Mm -hmm. And now that person who you admire and like so much is now saying those nice things to you. And the jewel on your chest starts to grow and grow and grow. And like picture the, the things that you would say. <laughs> exactly. It is like the Grinch. Plagiarism. Sam Harris is plagiarizing. Uh, Imagine those things that you would say to them and the things that they would say back to you. It was really, it was really nice. It, it was, was a nice little lesson. It was a nice little lesson. And to go along with it, our daughter, Zara, who's seven, she is adorable. And she made this box. And on the box, she yeah, we painted did a, it pink. So you were gone Saturday right, most I was of the day. Saturday. So we did all this preparation on Saturday. Right. So she painted the whole box pink. And then on the front, she made a big smiley face. And so she brought the box out and she said that we were going to write down all of the things that we were grateful for on these pieces of paper she had. And after we were done, we would put them in the box. And when we were in a bad mood or we had said something mean to someone else, we would go over to the box and we would pick something out that reminded us of what we were grateful for, which was a fantastic idea. So we all sat down at the kitchen table and we all wrote things down that we were happy about. It could be the little things like mac and cheese. It could be the big things like family or vacations. But we wrote them down and put them in the box. And we read each one as we put it in. And it's funny because... We've had this box for a week now, and a few times we've I've had to say to one of the kids, okay, it sounds like you need to know you're grateful for something. Go over to the box and pick something out. And they roll their eyes like they don't <laughs> want to do it, and then they go and pick something out, and it says something like sunshine. And then we have a little giggle or laugh, and then that's it. And the kids will use it as a weapon against each other. Well, Jackson, you're, you got to go to the box. You need to go to the box. But I think that the the message message is what was important. That, yeah. that you know there is something always to be grateful for, and that was a very sweet little thing that our seven year old could do. Yeah, it was nice. It was nice. We. So that was the lesson. And was really, the lesson. it was supposed to be between 10 and 15 minutes. It ended up being a little longer because of the box. And we wrote about 100 things out amongst all of us. Then we got into uh, a very interesting portion <laughs> of, of the day. Uh, I assigned Hayden a few weeks ago. And we talked about this on uh, our interview with uh, Anthony, Anthony Magnabosco. But uh, Hayden had asked us, why is cursing bad? And we said huh, why don't you tell us? Why don't you do some research? This was two weeks before, or so, maybe even three, before we had our home church. So we said, you're going to present to the family your findings on researching the effects of cursing. And, of course, him being 11 or 12 now, he had to be reminded of this many times to go and research it, and he didn't do it until Saturday. But he did end up spending about two hours on it. So we looked up a bunch of articles, and I 
I I told him he should look at both sides, both the good and the bad. I'm laughing because it was very it was very one sided, and I'll, <laughs> I'll, yeah, just guess which side he took. But um, he he went in to his credit. He did a lot of research. He did share a couple of things that I thought were very poignant. And which I really liked, but he he did leave out some things that were some pretty, major things, some pretty glaring things. That's right. So in general, he looked up a bunch of articles that said, "Oh yeah, cursing's great, no big deal." <laughs> Generally, it, the thing that I thought was very poignant is that he did call out context is very important. You don't use cursing to put other people down. You don't aim it at other people. Right. Um, you don't use it as a derogative or name calling. Uh, that's very, that's very important. But he he found some pretty funny nuggets or good fun nuggets. For example, when um, you're hurt, when you're hurt and you're in pain, uh, it's shown to be beneficial. Yeah. It actually helps you mentally uh, and physically. Uh, he also said that uh, <laughs> National Geographic, I think, was quoted as saying that on average, people that curse have a larger vocabulary, which I think goes against a lot of the rhetoric that is used against cursing. Yeah. What did he leave out though, Katie? The most important thing... Which we reminded him to look this up. ...that he left out is the effects on children. Right. The developing mind because... Cursing. We wanted him to look at, for kids, what is the effect of cursing, both hearing it and using it. Uh, we did... So, anyway, it ended with us saying, looks like there's more to you be You need to do into. some more research. We need to do a little bit more research here. But, overall... How cool is it that he was able to do that research? He showed us a, a quick clip, which ne- none of us knew what it was. And then every yeah. other word was beep, beep, it was like, It was like a news program oh, from like geez. Channel 5 in LA or something. And it was fine, but it was so funny because it wasn't cursing. It was just giving the beeps. Yes. But you knew what word it was beeping. So that right. beep itself is a curse. It is. Which, yeah. It is. And we were like, oh my gosh, six-year-olds, close your, close your ears. Anyway, but it was a good exercise for him to be able to go and do the research yeah. and then make an informed decision. We'll have to keep doing more research. We're yeah. not experts at all, but that was absolutely funny and fascinating we we made sure that they understood whether you believe it is wrong or not using it in certain certain situations is going to get you in trouble yeah so if you're in class don't curse if (laughs) there's a lot of situations where you don't do something even if you don't think it's wrong because bad timing or the people you're around don't agree with you again it goes back to consequences they're 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 positive and negative for both yeah so and then the last thing we did was our son jackson who is almost 14 he uh did have a 14 year old i know isn't that crazy uh he um we had him do a service project and alan why don't why don't you talk about this like this is the one thing i really wanted um and i stressed to alan is this idea of giving back to the community and like being a part of it so yeah i i think it's very fascinating ex- the step-by-step instruction that you had to give to him yeah it was like pulling teeth so on saturday when hayden was preparing his his cursing research project <laughs> just sounds funny to say yeah um when he was preparing that and the little kids were making their gratitude box down in the basement i talked to jackson and said okay you have the service project uh, and he said, well, I think we should donate stuff to a homeless shelter. I said, great. What should we donate? Oh, toys, food, water. I'm like, is that what they need? I don't know. Okay, how can you find that out? Well, I don't know. Okay, what homeless shelter? I don't know. Well, how are you going to find out what homeless shelter? I don't know, Dad. <laughs> hey, do you think maybe there might be some kind of web browser that can tell you what homeless shelters are close by? Oh, okay. So he Googles it. He comes back and says, there's one in Midvale. It's called The Road Home. I'm like, great. What do they need? I don't know. Maybe you couldn't call them, Jackson. <laughs> I mean, it was seriously leading. Oh, it was just, it was so tedious having to walk him through every single little step. But that's part of the effort that you have to put to teach these kids. I don't blame him. He's never done anything like it, right? I do blame him because he's frustrating. But he's never done anything like this before. So he, we got down, sat at the table, had him get a piece of paper and pencil out. He called the road home. He asked them, are you open tomorrow? Yes. Are you, what time do you accept donations until? 6 p.m. Perfect. Do you have 
what do you need? And they said hygiene products. So toothpaste, deodorant, toothbrushes, floss, uh, towels, things like that. Soap, shampoo. So he said, okay, great. So great, perfect. He called them. We had it all figured out. Then the most, not the most maybe, but a very important part of it was how are we going to pay for this? Right. So we gathered the kids together and we told them, look, we have to pay for all of these items and we're going to go to the dollar store and first we're going to see what we had. So we pulled out our... And we told them we would match whatever they were able to come up with. Right. So we pulled out our box of, of you know, toiletry items and we had soap, we had deodorant, things that we could donate ourselves. And then we figured, okay, now how, how much do we need? We need another six toothbrushes. We need this or that. We made a list. And we told the kids, okay, now everyone go get your money. And so they went and brought their money. And now this is... A few of them were begrudgingly coming downstairs. This, this is the hardest thing, I think, for two our... Half of our kids will give any amount any to anyone. The other half have a very difficult time giving up any money. And so, you know, we sat down and we said, okay, we will match dollar for dollar what you put in. So however much you put in, we will match that. And then we have to buy the rest of the stuff at the dollar store with the money. And so then they started arguing. They started arguing, two of them. I mean, I'll just say it. You'll listen later. Sorry, kids. Jackson and Zach. So our 13-year, our oldest and their youngest. Our oldest and youngest. And Zach, you know, Zach had gotten $20. I don't even remember when. But anyway, he had gotten $20. And we just asked him, he's like, Zach, would you give $10? No. (laughs) Why not? Because this is mine. Like, I know, Zach, but there are people that don't even have a home. They don't have a toothbrush. They don't have a toothpaste. No, it was not getting through to him. He's right. Like, no. So they started a fight about, about you know, my Hayden. He's He is a tender heart. And he he's like, I'll give $10. And, and then when he sees that his siblings are only willing to part with a dollar, he starts getting mad and frustrated, right? Because yeah. they should give as much as he did. So you know what Alan and I did? And it was the smartest decision. We left the room. We said... This is something for you guys to figure out. Figure out how much money you'll have after you put all your money in. And Dad and I are going to go upstairs in our room. And when you're ready, you come and get us. So that's what we did. We went in our room. We listened to them argue. Shared funny videos back and forth until someone came in the door and said, we're ready. We went downstairs and we said, okay, how much money do you want to donate? And it ended up being like $23. Yeah. And so... We were pleasantly happy and surprised and said, great. Okay, we'll match it. We'll double that. And that's what we're going to go to the dollar store and spend. So I took Jackson and Hayden, our 13 and 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, sorry, to the dollar store. And we gathered all the items. We checked out. It was a little under the amount that we had that we had raised, so we were good. And we, made, we ended up making 10 hygiene kits. Uh, and put them in gallon size Ziploc bags. And on our way to a Super Bowl party, we went over to uh, the, road the road home and we dropped them off. We had Jackson and Hayden pick them up and walk them in with me and drop them off. And then we went back into the car and that was it. It was a very simple uh, service project that Jackson did end up putting the effort in. He just had to be helped a little bit to logistically on how to pull it off. Right. And so I hope you, and then that was the end of our home church, but it did take up a chunk of time. Yeah. We did prepare. It is very difficult to be intentional. I'm just going to say it's it's hard to be intentional with our time and exactly what we're going to focus on because it takes effort and it takes a lot of patience. And Alan and I, by the end, were growing so thin, like so thin with patience, but you know, we knew coming into it, this isn't going to be perfect. We may not like it, but we're going to try it. And I think overall, it was a very good experience. It was. The lessons learned, uh, I would probably, we would probably cut the sit down and talk time by about half. So we, it wasn't terrible, but 
no fault of their own. They just get a little squirmy and it's hard for them to sit down and listen uh, to parents lecturing about gratitude for 45 minutes. So we, I would cut that short a little bit. When we got up and we did the gratitude box, no complaining. We're up and moving. So I think that will, that will sh- help us shape what we do next month a little bit better. Right. And I'm excited to see what we do for a service project next month because it doesn't have to be anywhere near the same thing. We could go and snowplow people's yards for an hour or it doesn't have to include money or your your cliche but very meaningful donations to a homeless shelter. Right. It can be so many different things. And I'm interested to see what topic we ask what kid to research and present on because I think that is a key part of what we want to do. And we told them, if you guys like this home church idea, we don't have to just do it once a month. That doesn't mean we ditch another week of church. But we can do these family moments together more often yeah. than, than once a month. And this, I mean, we do other things together, of course. It will always be the first Sunday of the month, we've decided. If we want to add days on, we can. But the first Sunday of the month is set. That's what we're going to do every first Sunday of the month. And I think that um, it, it for us, it worked. I really liked Alan put this quote of the week at the bottom of our agenda, and it's by my favorite person, Brene Brown. And she said, quote, I don't have to chase extraordinary moments to find happiness. It's right in front of me if I'm paying attention and practicing gratitude, end quote. And I think that that speaks to the whole experience that we had with the, with the kids. We didn't do this grandiose thing. We were trying to practice gratitude with each other right in that moment, and it worked for us. And so moving forward, I'm, I, we would be happy to write some of the things we do to give all of you families out there an idea if home church is something you're looking into doing. Taylor, make it for you and for your spouse and your kids. And just do what feels right. I think that the big thing is that Alan and I have always just let our instincts guide us. And, you know, I I came up with this idea of, you know, giving back to the community and Alan just ran with it. And that was just perfect for us in the moment. We needed that lesson on Sunday for yeah. just for personal. So whatever it might be that you are involved with right now, just go after that. Find what's best for your family and do it. Um, I would say this was a success, you know, and and who knows? Well, we don't know what it'll be like down in the future. But we, I think we went into it with the right attitude. Yeah, and, absolutely. And just, I mean, you're just still trying to figure things out. For those of you in a mixed faith marriage, especially those at the very beginning of a mixed faith marriage... I hope that you can hear episodes like this where the first half we talked about a very difficult topic and we're not crying about it. We're not angry or upset about it. It, The emotions are so raw at the beginning and we still have some difficult moments, but it gets better. With these difficult moments, it gets better. And it leads to this second part of the podcast today, which is, okay, what do you do now? You have to come up with these ideas to bring your family back together. You've lost something in common. How can you still, how can you move forward as a family unit and as a couple when you've lost something? You've mm-hmm. lost this thing in common. And in many cases, no more than, I mean, in, in our case, the church has been, I mean, we literally met on a mission. So it, it, we were put together by the church. It was such an integral part. And that's such a common story. When that is no longer something you hold in common, these ideas of whether it's home church or you meditate together now or you're reading similar books or you have family home evenings that focus on common values or there's all of these different things that you can do to bring yourselves together but you it's so hard to do that when you're still in the throes of pain it you get you're going to get past the pain don't feel like because you are in pain that you're behind anybody it's it's all part of the journey and feeling that hurt is this, I, I don't put it out there as well as our guest tomorrow likely will with no Rochetta, but the, the pain is, is so guiding and how you should be dealing with this journey and it's okay. Uh, it's going to get better. Uh, enjoy the moments that you're in and learn from them. 
I think we have um, a number of listeners who contact us and they were like, oh my gosh, I just found your podcast. I've binge listened to 25 episodes. I'm still a year and a half behind, but I'm trying to catch up. And I think that that can be a good and a bad thing because there is an evolution to this. And we have started from a place of discomfort and hurt and raw emotion. And we've kind of worked through a lot of that. And now we're at a now we're, like Alan said, we're at a place of understanding and we're trying just to make the best of what we have. So like Alan said, when you when you go and for those new listeners who are just joining us and they're listening to this evolution and they're like, oh my gosh, I will never catch up. Well, we've been doing this for over two years now. And so I hope you feel that you can just support wherever you are at in your journey, that you can find um, some some support and maybe just some words of wisdom from us to help you along that. And, you know, we honor your own journey. We honor where everyone is. Everyone's going to look different. Maybe home church is an absolute no for you, and that's okay. We are just doing the best and putting ourselves out there and letting you know what works and what doesn't work. And by, there have been plenty of things that don't work. But, you know, we're just willing to lend a voice to that. You know, one last thing that we wanted to talk about is we aren't in that spot of fresh emotion and hurt. And there are so many of you that are. And, you know, as Alan and I continue to move on and work through upcoming things like baptism and and our son going to seminary. He doesn't want to go, but um, F- FSY this summer. There's just so many things. I feel like there, we've both talked about how we are in, in different places now than we were two years ago. And we understand how important it is for others to hear stories about people who are in that raw emotion part. With that said, we would like to put out an invitation to those couples who are interested in recording their own journeys. And this part is is hard because I feel like this podcast is our baby, right? Um, we we really turn to this in order for us to get us through like a lot of the hard times. And I feel like it can be a source of good for so many people. So if you and your spouse are in the early stages of this, and you are thinking that this would be something that would be good for you, we would love to hear from you. We would love to talk to you. We want to be able to give a platform for this for this to just keep on giving to those who are constantly coming in to this situation. And this isn't to say that we're going to stop recording. This isn't to say that we are giving up the podcast. It's only to say that we are inviting more people to have more voices. And we want them to be able to record maybe a series of their their own problems, their own difficulties that they're dealing with. So we would like to invite anyone who is interested in doing this to co- to go ahead and contact us. We would love to talk to you on the phone and see if this is a good fit. Yeah, the logistics of what that looks like is as we release and still record our, our story and our journey, other episodes would be released that are telling someone else's story as well. Uh, Katie, you mentioned specifically it would be great to have someone that is where we were two years ago. Right. Because I think there's there's extreme value in, in hearing multiple different uh, places in the timeline of a mixed faith marriage. So if you're interested in that, yeah, reach out to us. Email us at marriageinatightrope.gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Instagram or on Facebook, and we can chat about it. I think it'd be great. We know how much y'all love us. We're not not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We're not going anywhere. We just want to be able to open this up. And really, if we want to leave a legacy of a podcast to go on forever, we need other people's voices in this. Yeah. Not just ours. That's the episode for today. I felt like this ended up being a lot longer than what we I think this is our longest non-interview episode. This is the longest 
Just You and Me episode that we've ever recorded. No, really? I don't remember ever going past an hour. Wow. Okay. Huh. Well, thanks. Um, Listen to this on 1.7 speed. And if you are <laughs> if you already have listened, this is at the end of the podcast, so that's not going to be helpful. That's right. In fact, you know, um, okay, so... I think that we didn't. We don't have any other announcements. No. But if you would like to donate to us, we would just so much appreciate it. You can go you, to marriageonatightrope.org. There's a donate button there. And you can set up reoccurring payments. Or you mm-hmm. can go to our Venmo account. And let me tell you, all of our donations, again, go towards the podcast. We really don't see any. We don't see any of that money. But it does take money for us to make a podcast and to have it run. And we... We very much appreciate we have received donations. And for those that have donated, thank you very much. Uh, Everything that we're doing currently is because of those donations. So thank you very much for donating. And thank you for listening. We will see you on the next episode, an interview with Noah Rochetta. Toodaloo. We're never getting back together. (laughs) We're going to see that it was better that we grew up together. Tell me you don't want to leave. Cause if change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high, I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go We go.